welcome to another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick. Glad uh, to be back with you here for one more episode. On this episode, his first time with the podcast is Lore.TV CEO Marcus Pittman. Uh, Marcus, normally I have a little, uh, um, you know, a, a glib witticism, if you will, to introduce uh, the uh, the guest. But uh, your reputation clearly precedes you, and since you're the CEO, I'm going to be nice and not fake insult you. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me, man. You're doing a great job. I'm, I'm loving this podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we got a lot to cover uh, real quick. Um, the just want to remind uh, our, our viewers and lore audience, lore.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. That's the uh, the place where you can go to subscribe to Lore. You can get, uh, get your loot there and uh, put it toward the projects, the TV shows, the movies that you want to see. And uh, Marcus, really quick, um, Lure is launched. Give us an idea of, of how it's growing right now. Now, I know it's been, um, you know, multiplying uh, day after day and the word is getting out. Yeah. We're getting mentions on, um, you know, on uh, we're getting earned media, we're getting unearned media. Uh, so give us a, a state of the union as to how Laura is doing right now. Yeah, so uh, we're doing really well. We've uh, spent uh, almost nine million loot funding projects, movies and TV shows. And uh, each week, uh, the rate of which content is funded is faster than the previous week as our subscriber base grows. So that's really exciting to see. I think the biggest uh the, the 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 biggest thing is 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 barely biblical has gone from one to two to three million loot and wow. the first the first million took a month to get there second million took two weeks and then they just got their third million in one week um, that's incredible so, so the snowball is working. We knew there would be a snowball um, as long as subscribers continue to invite subscribers um, uh, it's it's working and we're we're not getting you know, major news coverage. Uh, it, this is just all completely organic. Um, our advertising, we haven't, we haven't really done a lot on that. We're building up that side of our company now. Um, so, so everything right now that's happening is really just the wind blowing. Um, and, and uh, we're getting all that results. So that's really exciting news. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, we'll see barely the first episode of barely biblical funded. Um, and I believe those funds for the first episode are going to go in immediately into the production of the second episode, um, which is exciting. Um, so yeah. you get to see the first episode immediately and the second episode will start production right away. Um, so I think there's a lot of really, like really cool stuff and, um, that's happening there. Uh, we already got an episode of uh, Wild Brothers funded, and then yeah. it's we're almost fifty percent for the first episode of the Salter. Um, so, so not a lot of projects being funded immediately, but a lot of the bigger projects are really making moves, um, and that's yeah. exciting because I didn't think we'd see such big traction towards the bigger budget projects as as early on as we are, but we are. So are you getting any response or any reaction from Lure subscribers or, you know, the uh, the the uh, comment sections on social media as to why some of these bigger stories are getting the, the early funding um, uh, as opposed to some of the others that you thought? Yeah, well, I think well, I think people are just excited about Barely Biblical. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I think, you know, people want 
the Old Testament violent Bible stories to be told. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, the, that, the, the talent on that, I mean, Tim Engle, he's, mm-hmm. you know, worked on Phineas and Ferb and a whole bunch of other major animated animated project projects. Um, and then the voice talent that's in there as well, um, is, you know, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Clone Wars and like, right. Yeah. So like, you know, like the talent of that project is massive. Um, and, uh, we're paying where, well, you know, I think people have realized we're actually paying the artists real money to make projects. Mm-hmm. Unlike most conservative faith-based streaming projects, this is really, I think, uh, to the Testament of, uh, of Jason Farley, who said, mm-hmm. I think it's better. It's kind of like the opposite of business, but he's like, I think it's better to pay more, for fewer projects than to pay less for a lot. And yeah. uh, I think that's sort of the model we've been going after is, is what does, you know, the, the, what does the Lamborghini of streaming project streaming platforms look like where you're not getting 10,000 hours like Kia or Honda, right? You're only yeah. getting, you're only <laughs> getting a few a year. Um, like what, or what does that look like? Is that valuable? And I think it is, um, one, because the artists that are making projects are actually going to be able to make a living, um, doing it compared to, you know, other streaming platforms paying 300 bucks a year for the rights to license a whole movie. Um, that's, yeah, and not I think a lot of people don't realize how, how earning a living in, in the arts and in, in uh, entertainment and storytelling and media really works. You know, I come out of uh, music background and so I know from touring and songwriting and recording and all those kinds of things that, you know, you, you know, you sign a record deal with a label. So that would be a similar thing to, uh, you know, selling your script to a, a production company. And then you start talking about what the, what in what is called points, or that's how you earn your percentage of how much you're going to make. But for an artist, there's really no money in most of the projects until they get out. And that's why you see one of the, that's one of the reasons why I see a lot of actors at, at Comic-Con, they can make money there. It goes to them. Um, you know, they, they do the movie, they, they get some, but they can go out and be the character they were 30 years ago and, and make a lot more in a lot of cases. And so that's why you see artists go out and tour. But even now, like uh, uh, the, with, with, with what, it's not what COVID did. It's what our response did and how that did change some sectors of our economy of entertainment consumption. Uh, even, even touring and getting out with, is not the same thing. So this, this platform comes at the right time because not only is it a, a business industry revolution, but it's also a spiritual one. And it's one that challenges um, uh, believers uh, you know, uh, um, all across to say, Hey, you know, if you're tired of having Hollywood represent, uh, your views and doing it in a way with uh, contempt and malice and disdain and everything else. Well, you, you, here's an opportunity. It does take some investment. It does take sacrifice, um, but it's worth it. And uh, why we, we willingly sacrifice to them because they have 10,000 hours of nonsense. Um, but you know, where we can hear, we have an opportunity to, uh, to build into something that, that will matter and that will last. Um, how did you get, the idea um, of lore, where, where was the, the genesis, the germ of this, uh, of this project? Yeah. So I was, uh, I, I just made uh, babies are still murdered here, which was a pro-life uh, abortion movie. But before that I was head of advertising for uh, a major faith-based uh, 
film, uh, well, for the agency that did all the advertisements, social media advertisements and stuff and marketing for a major face-based platform. Uh, but so, so I, so I was in that Christian film industry, uh, hated every minute of it, thought the movies, the movies were feminine and, uh, just completely, uh, nonsense. A lot of it was nonsense and, uh, wasn't good. And there was no, there's no, there was never any discussion on how to make the content better. <laughs> it was just always about how can we just do better ad spend. Um, and there was never, the, 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 there was, there was never a, a thought that if our content is better, then we wouldn't have to do the ad spend because people would naturally just want to watch it and tell their friends about something they've seen. Um, and so that was really weird. And then I went and left and I did babies are still murdered here. We put that on Amazon prime and then that got deleted from Amazon prime. And so I was really just trying to think, I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to make a good Christian movie, it's not going to go up on like the pure flixes of this world. Uh, they're not going to accept a, a really decent, high quality, expensive project. Um, and then also uh, it, Amazon Prime is deleting it. So we really don't have I was like, we really don't have a distribution channel for streaming content that is really an art house for Christian film is probably the bit what I was looking to do. Um, and so that's really where the idea of, you know, I was like, okay, well, what do artists need? Well, we need film funding and we need film distribution. Those are the two main things. And if we can take care of that all at once, then that solves a major problem in the Christian film space. Uh, one, our distribution isn't managed by people who aren't interested in quality or, managed by people who uh, hate Christianity. Um, so distribution and then funding, like we just, I just felt like a free market approach to funding movies was better um, than just leaving it to a few Hollywood executives to make all those decisions. And basically they're propagandist. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and also if the, the other biggest thing was if if the subscribers would come together and fund the projects they want to see, then at that point, we weren't bound to make the cheesy, weak Christian films uh, because we didn't have to get the approval of an audience before putting money into it. Uh, once the audience put the money into it, the movie can be made however the artist wants. And it's the audience who's taking the risk on the artists and not the studio um and so that gives artists way more freedom uh to make what they want and so yeah what we're doing is disruptive it's not only disruptive to the christian film space it's disruptive to i think hollywood as a whole because it's bringing a free market approach to the film industry uh that they do not want to happen uh, let me ask a couple of questions, uh, industry-wise, where we have some contrast. Number one, where Lore has contrast with others. Number one, you, you mentioned uh, the Christian film industry, the, the, the Christian entertainment industry, because, um, I mean, I could, I could extend that to music as well. Mm -hmm. you, cheesy does come out a lot in, in many people's analysis of our products so far, our as Christians, is what I mean by that. At the same time, I want to be careful because people are trying. There are people who are seriously trying to, to um, you know, put a positive message out, tell a good there, story. There are, I just, there are tremendously talented Christian filmmakers in the Christian film space. I don't think the problem 
with the Christian film industry is the lack of talent. So that's so, what I wanted to ask. So where does that cheesy come from? Because, and, and again, you know, if uh, I use a music analogy, but if you listen to quote unquote Christian rock, right. And then you listen to actual rock, actual rock is better. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. may not be better, but actual rock is better. It's better music. It's, I mean, a, a, across the board. And there yeah. is always, there always seems to be this pristine kind of polished sparkle on the, um, that makes the Christian products in media somehow not real, not relatable. Like, you know, we're okay. Yeah, that's great and good. But so where, where does that come from? It's, it's not the talent. Where is that? Yeah, the reason Christian film and Christian art in general is so bad is because the art is created in the boardrooms. Um, so, so all of the art, all of the films that you see major faith-based streaming companies produce, for the most part, are produced in the boardroom, and they're cut, and they're edited, and they're fine-tuned. Like I kid you not, one of my jobs. Uh, when I was working for this ad agency was it was to cut out and remove guns from the trailers of the movies. Hmm. Um, even if the, if the movie had a gun in it, I had to take it cause they didn't think that that was, you know, positive and encouraging to see a gun in a movie. Um, so, so, I mean, you're, you're literally, and, 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 and then, you know, there's four standards in a faith-based film that they look for. And it's whether there's, uh, a puppy, a horse, a little girl, and somebody with like cancer or some sort of relatable tragic problem. So those are the four main things they look for basically as will this fit on the movie poster? Like mm -hmm. those four things, because that's what sells. Um, so you're basically just building out the, the entire industry is micromanaged uh, incredibly uh, terribly um, as, as micromanaging tends to do um so so yeah so 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 it's 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 uh it's all of all of christian art is is not made by the artists uh for the most part uh they're just doing what they're told to do um mm. as employees but they're not really given the true creative freedom to really make cultural content that's transformative uh, on a much bigger scale than uh, what people imagine Christian film can do. So before we get to some of the contrasts with, um, you know, big Hollywood, I guess, if we want to call it that, um, what does creative freedom look like from the perspective of a lore executive? Um, you know, you're reading scripts and you're uh, putting out contracts on projects. You want that creative freedom that's not in the mainstream Christian industry to be a hallmark of lore and lure.tv. What does that look like from your perspective? Yeah. So when we talk about freedom, uh, we're not really, I'm not necessarily talking about freedom of speech. I, I wouldn't call lore a freedom of speech platform uh, because, you know, we don't want just anybody making whatever movie they want, whether or not they have talent or quality or, or anything like that. So there's a vetting process for sure. But, but the vetting process is really just on the worldview and the abilities and talent of the, the individual who's making the projects. So we want to know, 
does this individual have uh, the capability to actually produce a movie? Have they made movies in the past? Are they skilled at making movies? Um, you know, and, and, and so the, and, and then do they have a Christian worldview or is uh, at the very least, is their story in line with the Christian worldview? And so those are, those are some of the, the vetting processes we go through. And then uh, we, we, uh, the other question we ask is, does the project that they want to make, uh, is that something that is wholly different and never been done in the Christian media space before? That's sort of what we look for and what we're interested in. Um, but after that, um, we don't we we have a, a policy is like we don't give notes to the artists. We don't tell them what they can and can't do, what the characters can, can't say. Uh, we really we we don't do that. Uh, and, and part of that is. We want to build a trust with the artists that that we believe that you are a Christian, um, and you or that your story is reflective within Christianity, um, and 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 so we trust you to make the best story possible. That doesn't it's we know it's not going to have nudity in it. We we have a ban against that, but none of the artists that we've signed would ever do a project with nudity in it anyway. Um, so we don't have to make a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, we just need to know. Uh, are are they talented and do they want to make great content? Um, and and if they are, uh, then they're not really going to push the envelope in terms of nonsensical vulgarity. You know, yeah. that is more characteristic of like a Hangover movie. Um, it, we like we don't. None of our artists would want to do that anyway. And so so that was I mean that's testament to Jason Farley that basically said if you give artists more freedom, uh, then they won't violate any laws. Um, but if you give them a bunch of laws, they'll want to push it. Um, and as I think that's true, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's reflective of what we see with God's law is if we follow God's law, we'll have more freedom than we can imagine. But if we break God's law, we'll place ourselves under tyranny. Um, so, so that, and that's exactly what you see happening. So I think we're just taking that same model and applying it to the film, uh, space and, and also knowing that it's totally okay that not everybody is happy with every project on the platform. Yeah. <laughs> like it's totally okay. You know, you don't watch a bad movie. It's weird. Cause you like, you don't watch a bad movie on Netflix and go, I'm unsubscribing from Netflix. Yeah. Uh, you just go, oh, I'll find the next one. But with Christian film, it's way different. People are way more, they they're less gracious with Christian artists and making a mistake or doing something that's uh, inappropriate than they are with the secular world, secular world. They can do whatever they want. Nudity, full on nudity, sex scenes, gay, LGBT sort of whatever. Uh, but a Christian film has one bad joke that you think might've crossed the line and you're just yelling you're on Facebook. Out. Right. And yeah, so it's really weird. And so we wanted, that's why we, we, we that, those are the people we refer to as the church ladies where it's like, you guys uh, are way harsher on Christian filmmakers than you are on, on the real world. Um, and and so uh, we're trying to build a platform that basically ignores those voices um, hmm. and because I don't think they've been helpful towards building um, a, uh, building an environment that allows artists to fail. Um, yeah. they, 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 they've been quite the opposite in terms of that. And so uh, we've been openly opposed to that sort of uh uh, attitude and we're looking for basically the people who just want to build 
an art house for film and then know what that requires of the artist is for them to fail. Um, and sometimes over and over again. And, and yeah. And the thing about failing, I mean, you, there's a bunch of the, you know, the, how many, um, cliches and, and, and axioms we have for that, but, uh, especially when it comes to, well, failing just in general, a lot of it has to do with perspective and a lot of it is subjective and, and, uh, and it also depends on where you stop the story. As you know, how do we know it's a happy ending? Well, it depends on where you stop the story. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, and so I think there's a lot of that that comes into it that there again, where if there's some more grace in, okay, well, that one's not my cup of tea, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the whole thing is terrible. That'd be a good lesson for us to learn. I want to, uh, move to some of the contrast that Lure has with, uh, major Hollywood and Hollywood features. There was an article recently, uh, from the Telegraph out of the UK. Uh, by a film critic named Robbie Collin, and it's uh, called the, the title is The Conservative Movie Critic Taking on Hollywood's Woke Bilge. And I've got to scroll down just a bit here to find the uh, the quote that I want to. Um, he says, uh, well, there's a, it's a critic called Carrick who started up this woke or Hollywood critique. Um, and he says, uh, when Carrick says woke, what does he actually mean? Uh, the word blended into common usage from black American slang in 2020, um, initially referred to awareness. One could be woke to entrenched biases in law enforcement or local politics. Um, but due to its association with protest movements, it mutated into a catch all insult for progressive causes in cinema. For Carrick, that means when a film prioritizes a radical leftist ideology over the quality of its narrative, and that means the necessary inclusion, I'm adding the word necessary uh, because that's what it means, but of transgender ideology, subservient male characters, people of color in traditional non-people of color roles, whatever that means, uh, and cartoonish depictions of capitalism and religious people particularly Christians. I, on another podcast that I host for another radio show that's also a podcast called Culture Crossroads, check it out, free plug, I know. Um, I talk a lot about how we're in a spiritual war, that this culture war that we think we're fighting is really spiritual. And we see it a lot in the transgender movement, which is, I think, an attempt to erase the fingerprint of God in creation, or at least to deny the fingerprint of God in creation. He can't be erased. And here we have it again in that in that line that the woke ideology is this cartoonish depiction of people and particularly Christians. And that's really the bottom line, because everything that is the that is progressive ideology stands in 180 in 180 degree stark opposition to God, his word and his people. So really it's not about um, people that are in that movement or people that are in those um, uh, lifestyles or patterns of sin or struggles or whatever. The real result of this is the, the further maligning and impugning of Christians. Uh, what do you think, uh, how will Lord, excuse me, how will Lord, be able to shape, to reshape that narrative and not just, uh, in terms of a better story, not sacrificing narrative for an ideology, but also showing that, you know, okay, we, you know, believers are real people too, which I think somehow we become a, a caricature in our culture as it is. Yeah. Well, I think every movie has some sort of agenda to it. Right. Like every movie teaches you something about the people who made it. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so 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 every movie is propaganda for something uh, that's you can't escape that. 
The question is, how well is it done? Um, and what we're seeing now is that Hollywood is really becoming the pure flicks of the left. Uh, they're really forcing the agenda uh, over the quality of the film. Um, and, and so they're they're destroying themselves um, in the process of doing it because because nobody likes it when pure flicks does it. Um, even Christians who watch the movie don't like the forceful injection of the altar call or the message. Um, right. But when um, you have that in Hollywood and a character just goes on a monologue about the importance of being inclusive to, you know, certain genders or what or, or whatever, or pro, the use of pronouns, you just see this in a movie. Um, you're just like you're just completely taken out of the movie, just like you are with Pure Flix movie at the same time. Like it's just because it's because you're not you're not part of the the story anymore the you know you're breaking the fourth wall at that point essentially um and 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 so uh but when 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 movies are and tv shows are done well they can still enforce that worldview in a way that's not uh as blatant and obvious uh but still reflects uh uh, the the creator who the the, the worldview of the creator who made it. Um, the the best example of this in scripture is you know we have general revelation and special revelation, right? Special revelation is the the word of God, the inspired scriptures. That's special revelation. Uh, but then when you get to general revelation, well, what's general revelation? Romans one tells us what that is. It's it's the stars and the moons and the heavens and the and the earth and the sky and the animals and all the creatures of all creation. Uh, they 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 are proof that God exists. Uh, but it doesn't save anybody, right? So the you know scripture yeah. talks about. Um, now, although they know God exists, uh, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness because it's not general revelations. It's not the job of the stars and the sun and the moon uh, to to save anybody. Uh, that's yeah. just God's handiwork. Um, that's the, 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 they have a function. It's to do what God made them to do and look beautiful doing it. Um, and 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 uh, although they testify that God exists. Uh, they don't bring about salvation. And so when we look at our movies, our Pure Flix movies, we're trying to make our movies special revelation. We'll, we'll stop in the middle of a movie, start preaching scripture and try to get this agenda across um, as opposed to just assuming like God does that art doesn't have to save anybody. Um, it doesn't have to do that. It can just be good art. Um, and and accomplish what it's meant to be. Uh, now Hollywood now is, is is trying to basically do that same thing, where they're they're they're, they're saying, okay, we're going to stop the movie in, in the middle of this. I think Ted Lasso is a great example. It's where they just basically halted half of the final season of Ted Lasso to put in this gay character, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And like then they forget about it, and then they push it in again, and you could tell. Uh, that it was, it felt like the studio was forcing that narrative against the writer's will, um, yeah. and, and so and so uh, it's, it's it was really really interesting. Uh, it's a whole another conversation for later, but <laughs> but 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 you just see how that agenda just gets pushed in every single thing. You know, Disney can't do a live action movie of their classic cartoons and have the characters actually look like the cartoons anymore. Um, and right. And so, so like, you know, it's racist to do that. Apparently in fact, 
we got a documentary on lore that's funding now gothics where it's about that very thing with a little mermaid gothics uh, is a twitch streamer streams video games and she said look i just don't think you know you should be considered a racist because you don't agree with the casting of a black little mermaid um and she was just destroyed um, um uh, online the cancer culture and all that stuff I mean, we can follow her film and fund it um and whatnot but but yeah i think but you are seeing this hollywood is becoming the pure flux of the left um you mentioned gothics there that's actually a good time i want to uh pause really quick i have a uh um a preview of gothics and also a little explainer about lure I want to show right now we'll come back and i want to get your take marcus on what are uh, maybe one or two projects you're really excited about uh that are upcoming for lure um maybe ask you about a couple uh, ask you about a couple more on the back side of the program so let's check out uh this sneak peek of gothics and also a little bit of how lore works for uh the those of you who are curious will check it out. This is our documentary, Gothics, and after two years of production, it's almost finished and ready for viewing. This is Lore, and it's a new platform that our documentary will be releasing on. If you don't know, Lore is a platform that crosses Netflix with Kickstarter, allowing for subscribers to decide which projects they want their subscription to fund. This means that you get to vote with the money from your subscription as to which projects you most want to see come into reality. It's a unique concept of more power being given to the viewer where the natural outcome is that the projects that people are the most excited for will be the ones that get funded first. Once a project is funded and completed, it goes live on the platform for all subscribers to view. In comes our documentary, which is a pretty wild and dark story about the YouTuber Gothics. And even though the Gothics documentary is nearly finished, we still need funding to pay for what it took to make it. In order to make this documentary, we spent money that we barely had, and we spent some money from friends who wanted to see it get made. Funding this documentary on Lore will allow us to recoup what we put into it, to pay our friends back, to pay for marketing, to get out in front of more people, and to have funds to do the next thing. If you like what you've seen or heard from the Gothics documentary so far, or if you're aware of Gothics YouTube videos and you want to see her story told to a wider audience, please consider subscribing to Lore and putting your points into this documentary. Thank you. That's a, a little uh, sneak peek there, both of Gothics and again of the uh, how Lure works. Had the opportunity to uh, interview Graham Wilson, who is the uh, filmmaker behind Gothics, on one of the uh, first episodes of the podcast, and uh, that was a great episode. If you haven't seen it, go back and check it out in the archives. Um, but that's one again, like where you mentioned, where uh, the the woke ideologies really came down on the YouTuber Gothics and and affected her and her life um, in a deep and profound way. And of course, that story is told uh, through that documentary. Marcus, and uh, maybe maybe Gothics is one of them, uh, what are a couple of the releases that you are really looking forward to? Maybe some, we talked about Barely Biblical, um, we mentioned Gothics, maybe there's some that aren't quite on the radar yet that you're like, hey, when this comes out, this is, uh, this is something everybody should see. Um, what are you looking forward to on uh, Lure's Horizon? 
Well, I think Gothics is probably one of the most important films on our platform um, and, and a really good uh, banner as to what our platform is about and, and for. So for sure, Gothics is on the top of my list. I think Barely Biblical is really going to be amazing um, in terms of just the quality of the production and uh, the, 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 the freedom it, 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 it's a signal for, um, for mm -hmm. artists to say, look, you can, I mean, the guy, uh, uh, Tim Ingle was told not to pitch that cartoon to anybody at this Christian film festival. And he pitched it to me and Jason and me and Jason just couldn't stop laughing about how great of an idea it was. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he, and he pitched it to us on, he pitched it to us on a napkin cause he didn't think anybody but us would be interested in even hearing it. And, uh, and we signed the contract that day. Um, mm -hmm. so, I mean, like it was, I mean, that was one of the most significant moments I think working at lore was that barely biblical pitch. It was one of the best pitches I've ever heard. And uh, I think the project is, incredible and um i've seen the pilot episode that's going to stream uh once it's funded and it's incredible um it's really well done and it takes the bible very seriously um you wouldn't know it by the name but it actually does um uh probably more seriously it takes scripture than than veggie tales does which is really amazing um uh that that can be done um so so just incredible project i think uh, the salter um, is I mean it's a it's an absurd project, right? 151 short films, uh, uh, about each one basically about a psalm in scripture. Um, so I mean we're about to get the first episode funded. That's a long project. I mean you're talking more episodes than most syndicated. Uh, yeah, more than most TV shows. Yeah, right. Yeah, so so it's abs it's absurd, <laughs> but the first episode's already halfway funded, um, and 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 so that's really just you know like we that's what we wanted to just let's just create impossible goals, um, yeah. and 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 just really motivate people, um, and and that's sort of what we've done, and uh, uh, I'm just I mean it, there, there's so many projects. Uh, uh, two by two has been amazing. The response from two by two has been amazing of little kids who have just obsessed with that show. Um, uh, and, and, and so the show is really cheap and I hope, I hope, uh, it's very low cost to get those shows funded. And I hope we get some more episodes funded really soon. Uh, cause, uh, but I think the parents are spending their money on projects like Churchville <laughs> and, and, and neglecting their children, uh, because it's really popular, uh, from, among the kids. Uh, but Churchville, I think is probably one of the top shows we have as well which is a, a comedy show about uh, like the office uh, yeah. style megachurch culture. And it's just really important. It's a really important show that shows that we can laugh at ourselves and make fun of ourselves. And, um, uh, and, and I, I think uh, it's, it's the talent on that show and the comedy of that show is absolutely unbelievable and we shouldn't have it. Um, it's a shame that everybody rejected that show and we got it. And I, I'm, 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 uh, don't at all feel bad for everybody that lost that show. Um, and yeah. just, yeah, I mean, like that's the, really the hope is just how can we, um, uh, continue to build and fund projects and get things promoted. But, um, we have a lot of really great content and we have, uh, 30 more projects that haven't even probably been announced yet that'll all come to lore 
at some time in the future as our subscriber base grows. So invite your friends uh, to do to join join. That's the fastest way to grow this platform is just invite your friends. Now, inevitably, you know, watching these kinds of uh, podcasts, listening to these kinds of, of podcast episodes, there are creators, there are filmmakers, there are storytellers who are looking for some way to tell their story and they're knocking on doors and they're, they're having the frustrating um, journey that we all have and, and, and do go through as, as a part of um, getting our story out there. Uh, maybe take us behind the curtain a little bit. Marcus, if there's a filmmaker out there with a story, if there's a storyteller out there with an, with an idea, um, what kind of pitch is going to get across to you? That, that, that's the question before you that's answer before you before you answer that, Steve Martin, uh, the comedian, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, no, but he uh, he said he's always asked, how do you make it, you know, as an actor or an actress in Hollywood? And he says, and usually people are looking for, well, go down to, you know, second and Pike and talk with Al and, you know, he'll he'll show you in. And he said, but the answer I give them is is uh, not what they want to hear, but it's it's be so good that you can't be ignored. They have to they have to respond to your what you're doing, the, your, your talent, your ability and your your product. And, you know, so I know there's people looking for how do I get in? How do I break in? Well, maybe Laura seems like they they might have a sympathetic ear or at least hear me. What kind of pitch uh, do you look for and and how might a filmmaker or storyteller prepare if they're looking for such an opportunity? Yeah. So uh, Jason likes to say that a good pitch is one in which he can't sit down afterwards. Um, so that that's how he knows he's going to sign something to lore. Um, I, I think so. I, I would say like Jason, you have five minutes usually when you do a pitch, uh, like if we were at ICVM and you're meeting or the NRB conference and you're meeting with us in person and you have, you have they do these pitch a thons is what they call them. You have five minutes. Um and 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 the key to that five minutes is to have a very good first ten seconds, where it's like, "Hi, my name is this, and uh, I have an animated cartoon show where teddy bears reenact the most violent Old Testament Bible stories, and circumcision is depicted by whether or not the tags have a nip in it." Like that's that's it. Like that's all we needed for Bailey Biblical, um, and and that gave four minutes and 50 seconds for us just to get to know the filmmaker. Um, because we didn't need to know, we didn't need to hear anything else about the project. The project was already, I mean, that's it. Uh, now it's okay. Now we have four and a half minutes to talk about the filmmaker and whether or not he has the ability. And he says, Oh yeah, well I work for Phineas and Ferb and Mickey mouse and all this, I've done all this other stuff. And we're like, well, this is a no brainer <laughs> at that point. And then um, after that pitch, uh, we had other people that were giving pitch pitches and they're given just the cliche Christian film sort of stuff. And we're just like trying to like hold in our laughter because we're still thinking about Barely Biblical and how amazing it is um, while they're doing these serious, you know, film projects about someone with cancer. And we're trying not to laugh, which only made it harder because <laughs> um, we're still thinking about Barely Biblical while they're giving this pitch about some cancer movie. Mm. Uh, and so so but, but like that's it. Like like is your first 10 seconds is your log line like memorable um and how is it completely different and 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 our other question is uh would pureflix accept this uh project or not um and mm -hmm. if, if the answer is yes we don't want it 
Um, and and and, uh, if, and a lot of Christian filmmakers have been making stuff for Pure Flix for years, but they had this idea that they know they really want to make that Pure Flix would say no to or faith-based streamers would say no to. Um, and, 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 and so that's sort of, you know, what we want is we really want like the stuff that everybody will say no to, um, the real art house experimental stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not talking about, uh, it's a little bit edgier than pure flicks or it's just a little bit too much. Like we really want the stuff that just shatters all the barriers, um, and, and the walls. And, uh, so that's it. Uh, the other thing, most important thing when you're giving a pitch, uh, this is probably the absolute most critical thing. Cause we hear it all the time. It's automatic deal breaker for us is do not start off your pitch by saying that God downloaded a vision of a movie into your head. <laughs> uh, that, we hear that all the time. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be, it's probably about 50% of all pitches start off with, God gave me a vision of this movie or they use the word download um, is, is the new catch term. Uh, so that is an immediately no. Um, and the reason for that is, uh, is actually based on scripture, Exodus 35. We have uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. They were the artists that were uh, inspired by God to build the temple. Uh, they weren't just downloaded a vision of the temple. The Bible says they were given a spirit. They were given the spirit of knowledge and wisdom uh, and, uh, and, and the Holy spirit. Uh, so, so they, and the skills, so knowledge, wisdom, and skills were all part of those aspects. It wasn't just, I have an idea. Um, so, so, you know, Jason Farley says, you know, when somebody says I've downloaded this, this vision of a movie was downloaded to me, this script was downloaded to me. Um, Jason's first response is always, well, did he, download the skills for you to be able to do it as well. Um, and that's, that's really the key. Um, don't think of uh, your project as a lottery ticket where somebody's just going to hand you a check for $250,000. Cause you have a good idea. Um, you have to actually execute on that. Um, and, and so that's sort of really critical, but a very memorable 10 seconds, uh, and, and your project should be in that in that log line, your project should be uh, immediately more different and more valuable um, than any other thing that's there. Well, uh, Marcus, uh, I got to tell you, uh, God gave me a vision that this episode is going to end in a few minutes. And I he did give me the skills to stop the broadcast. <laughs> Fantastic. With that, true, man. It's uh, yeah. we get that all the time. It's one of the things. It's like automatic. Just you know, everybody thinks they're original when they do that, and it's like you're not. You're not. So go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, we uh, you are you'll be you'll be back. Actually, we got a couple more uh, episodes with you here. We're going to be doing in the in the near future, the next few weeks, and there's a lot more that we're going to get to, and other guests we'll have, and so on. But this was a good opportunity just to get your perspective and some of your background with it, because again, I think part of people jumping on board to lore is you know who who's who are the creators who, who how is this who runs it and uh, and who's contributing in terms of the projects, and so this is great that we get to to spotlight 
all of those things on the Lore Entertainment Podcast. Want to give you uh, the last word here, elevator pitch. I always ask the uh, the artists and filmmakers, uh, what's the elevator pitch for people uh, putting their loot into your project? Well, um, Marcus, and maybe you alluded to it already, but uh, it's worth putting a button on. Um, what is your elevator pitch for people jumping on board right now, even in these early stages of Lure.TV? Yeah. So the elevator pitch is right now you are week by week, subscriber by subscriber, leaving an inheritance for future subscribers. Um, so when when the first episode of Barely Biblical is funded, it's going to remain on the platform. Uh, and so th- a year from now, subscribers aren't going to have to fund the first episode of Barely Biblical. Um, and, and, and so the, the, the plan is we are building a platform uh, title by title, brick by brick. And over the long, t- it's a long-term goal, a long-term play to really build something um, that that is lasting and frees filmmakers to be able to make a decent living um, making movies and TV shows that they haven't had the opportunity to do uh, as of now. Yeah. And, you know, again, as a, as an artist myself and, and a creative um, filmmakers, being able to make a living is key if you the viewer want to keep consuming product you know if they if they can't put food on their tables and pay their mortgage or pay their rent they're not making that 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 film or that tv show that um that you want to see so uh now is the time subscribe today lure.tv l-o-o-r.tv see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen marcus Pittman, thank you for your time today we look forward to having you back on actually probably in the next week or so but uh thanks again for your time yeah good to see you man thanks All right, then for Marcus, I'm Andrew Southwick. This has been the Lore Entertainment Podcast. We'll see you next time.